What's up, guys? It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021, and this is this week's edition of the FritzCast. Or this is FritzCast if it's your first time watching. Welcome to the FritzCast. Man, I love I, I love the background. I love the background. Check that out. So before we dive into anything today, I have a guest today, by the way. Uh, so before we dive into that, though, I needed to, in this intro, I needed to explain that uh we have uh, a different kind of like so fritzcast has been evolving a little bit and we have uh this new we've had the 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 flag background banner if you will we've had that for a week or so now um just a nice you know little jazz up makes makes it a little more this is fritzcast in your face uh out there for you which I, I truly do love. I love this thing. It is the best thing that I think $35 has ever bought. It was really, it's not expensive to screen print these things from Anley Flags. They make great quality flags. They are not a sponsor of this program. I truly enjoy their product. And I want you to indulge in the product. If you're into vexiology like I am, which is not a, quite a libertarian thing to do. A lot of libertarians talk about sky cloth and silly things like that. I have my own sky cloth. It's right here. It's behind me. This is my sky cloth. Worship it. Pledge allegiance to it, if you will. I do every day. Not really. So, but not only that, but uh, I might sound a little bit different. This, this, uh, I, it, you can kind of see it on the video here. We got a new microphone. That's right. We got a new microphone. I used to run off of this bad boy right here. This was uh, the original microphone that started it all for FritzCast. The blue snowball microphone fits in the palm of your hand. You could probably knock somebody out with it if you really wanted to. It's, it's, it's a multi-use, multi-use tool, obviously. Obviously. Don't play baseball with it, though. Uh, this microphone has done me good for the last six years. It's been 2015 since, so uh, it 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 is it's it's fallen in color. It's a little bit dingy now. It's not as clean as it used to be, and now it I love it. It's my wife got me this. This is what got me into podcasting. It's a desk ornament now. I'm not getting rid of it. Um, if I was famous, I would auction it off and donate to charity or whatever. But I'm not. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> nobody's gonna. Let's start the bids for the Fritz Cast microphone. Nobody? Okay. Got, okay, cool. Gotcha. So it's a desk ornament now. Uh, but it's a cool desk ornament. And so now I got this. This is the uh, Samson. The Samson Q9 
E U Q nine U microphone, uh, and it's uh, it is pretty impressive. It's got uh, built-in controls. I can finally hear myself again talk while recording again, and still have um, my software record audio and and screen sharing and all that, which I think is important. Uh, but I lost that in trying to record Zoom calls and things like that. Um, it it wouldn't it wouldn't work the right way. I wouldn't hear myself talk. I couldn't. But now I do. Now I can. Now I can because my headphones are actually plugged into this microphone, and now all the audio for the computer is flowing through the microphone. So it's just it's 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 a nice setup. It's a nice other dynamic aspect for the program, and I love it. So I hope it sounds good. It sounds good in in on on my end of things. Uh, and these headphones. Uh, which these are my Skull Candy Crusher wireless headphones, even though they are now wired to a microphone. Go, go figure. I'm wiring Bluetooth headphones into a microphone, but uh, it, it sounds it sounds impressive. It's definitely not picking up um, background noises as much as that blue one was. This blue, like I said, this blue one served me well, but this was like you know your budget standard. This one is not your budget standard. Um, and and I was torn between this and a Shure MV7. Uh, I was really leaning towards the Shure MV7, but I felt like it was fifty dollars more expensive than this just for the name brand. Basically, I, I put them side by side and researched them, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to be that guy that just buys the Shure because you know I want to be cool. Uh, I'll buy this thing. And I had $70 Best Buy credit that I had to burn or otherwise it was going to expire on the 11th anyway. So here we are. Brand new equipment uh, for uh, a lot of money off in any case. But enough of my rambling um, because I, I do that a lot. Uh, some of you like that. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I have a guest today. My guest today is running... Uh, in Missouri for uh, the House of Representatives uh, in District Eight for the Eighth District Congress for Mrs. for uh, for Missouri, I almost said Mississippi, not Mississippi. Uh, it's Jacob Turner. Jacob Turner is running as a Libertarian uh, for this position. Uh, he's got a lot of things to talk about uh, as as to why he's running. He's also got a pretty Stacked history uh, with uh, military and public service, which I think is going to be a great discussion to dive into and sink your teeth into as a libertarian, because I I, I don't think we get uh, a lot of libertarian—well, uh, we do ha- have a lot of libertarian ex-service members, uh, but I, I think there's a lot of libertarian public service workers, but they don't speak out a lot, and, and I can probably—I'm probably speaking a little bit from experience here— because especially when you start taking steps into libertarianism, it's not the most welcoming environment if you're a public service worker almost because the government is the primary thing getting criticized by libertarians. But that doesn't mean that there aren't good libertarian-minded people in those public sectors, in those public services, and I think it's important to have them talk about things too. So Jacob is going to come on and lay out his platform and talk a little bit about his evolution into libertarianism, why he's running, and a whole lot more, whatever else pops up, really. So get ready and tighten your seatbelt, because here we go. Jacob Turner, welcome to the FritzCast, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, sir. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. You are running for 
uh, House of Representatives in Missouri District, Senate District 8, right? That's that's correct. Yes, sir. All right. See, and then we were just talking off air about this. This confuses me, people. I'm from Delaware. Delaware has one House of Representatives member. So the fact that states have districts is mind boggling to me. But that's beside the point. That's uh, that's pretty neat. Uh, maybe I'll be on a game show one day, and that'll be the question: how many how many representatives does Delaware has? So yeah, it's, that's uh, that's fascinating. I had no idea that there was just one. That's, yeah, that's pretty it's neat. Literally just one, and we're a population of like nine hundred. I forget how many. We're we're just under a million if we haven't cracked a million. But we've never gotten that coveted second House of Representatives member. It's always just been one, and the way that this state rolls, it's usually always a Democrat. So okay. And then by standard, two senators, regardless of size, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Also Democrats. <laughs> this is a very, very blue state. So so uh, that's, that's part of uh, the fun of me living in it. But Yeah, uh, man. How, how long have you been doing a show? This so show? this show has been running for about five years now. Um, nice. And, uh, and I've just... It's funny that you bring that up because it's only just recently that I started getting involved at the uh, local level Libertarian Party stuff for the state of Delaware in my county. So uh, I had been I had been doing the show. I've been, you know, doing this walk into libertarianism type of thing. Uh, I've been supporting the national candidates like Matt. And then I've, I, I stopped and I said, why am I going all ham on presidency and all this stuff when? I have my own backyard here that I'm ignoring and I, I probably really shouldn't be doing that, especially if, you know, to me, I think local politics is far more important than the national scale. I agree. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Let, let's go a little bit through the, the history and evolution of Jacob Turner. Like uh, uh, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are some of the things that you've done in life? And uh, I mean, you know, were you a Republican before, Democrat, always Libertarian? How'd that work out? Well, I grew up in a Republican family. Um, it was about 50-50 split, but the side that I spent the most time with were a Republican family. And I grew up in a country town, actually in our district. Uh, the town's name's Donovan. I was born, uh, born around that area, raised in that area. And uh, when I got out of high school, I ended up joining the, uh, the Marine Corps. Uh, due to the events uh, that occurred on 9-11. It was around my age range of going into the uh, military. And like many people, it kind of, uh, it, it fooled me into ha having the drive to go, uh, go overseas. So I joined the Marine Corps after I got out of high school and served eight years, traveled all over the world in the Marine Corps, had a great time. And uh, when I got out, I opened a delivery business. It started doing well. And I ended up meeting my wife who lived on the other side of the district. So due to her job, she works in the cancer field. She's not able to move and she has to be close to that cancer center in case something occurs with her patients. So we made the call to move closer to here. So I had some free time on my hands. My business was doing fine. And uh, so I got into firefighting and working on an ambulance. And that's what, I, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm a few days, I have four days left of clinicals and then I'll test out for my paramedics license and just trying to give back. I, I, I wanted to, I still had the drive to serve and to, to help out. I wanted to do it locally. And I seen that there was a huge shortage in, me in medics in our area and actually all across the nation. 
And as you know, it was kind of a tough time in medicine at that time. So jumped in feet first, learned it, ended up falling in love with it, and then started working my way up to medical school, got my associates in May, graduated, got my 4.0, started stacking up some awards so that I could build my resume to go to medical school. And then the government got out of whack. They start as if they weren't bad enough with spying on the American people and everything else. It's the way they handled COVID. It was very totalitarian-like. And I was willing to put my plans on hold to try to make a difference, to try to fight off this tyranny is the way I see it. So that's why I decided to run for U.S. Congress. Wow. So that that, that was a, a primary uh, driving factor in wanting you to that throw was, your hat in the ring? That was 100%. When I contacted the uh, the House of Representatives member that we have here in our district and he kind of disregarded me over the phone. He was very rude. Um, come to find out this has been kind of similar. This is a similar story. It's happened to most people who've tried to reach out to him, contact him about issues. He, uh, he has his eyes on the Senate, so he's not, uh, he's not worried about helping the people of this area. And I felt like I could do better. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I can, I can understand that. Um, so with uh, COVID, has been an evolutionary thing with the government, has it not? I mean, this, right. this thing has been right now. Joe Biden just the other day talked about going door to door um, and knocking on doors about checking vaccination statuses, which is scary. Um, on top of things, my my dog. Whenever they use the term door to door, that you should be you should be alarmed. Yeah, yeah, I don't like people coming to my door, whether they're the no. government or otherwise. But. Uh, what, what I want to know is, uh, did any of, uh, obviously you have a passion for public service. Right. Did, did any of that play into, how did that play into, especially throughout this, this pandemic, if you will, how has, how has that evolved uh, over the course of the past, you know, year for you? Well, my wife was the first person to point it out. She goes, you know, you're always so willing to take up these positions, whether it be in the military going overseas or whether it uh, be going into a burning house in our local community um, or on the ambulance with with COVID. I'm always willing to, to do a job that helps our community or our, or our country and be willing to put skin in the game. And she says, I believe that people will see that. You know, people will see your history and that's going to that's going to play well because they know that when you get up there that you've spent your whole life serving in a way that you were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. You were willing to put yourself out there you know, I'm, I care for this country. I care for my community. I, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I live here. I make my, my living in this district. I raise my kids in this district. and I plan to stay here until the end. So I have something in what I'm trying to do. I, my kids are going to probably live here and, and start families. And I want them to have a brighter future, not only for our country, but for our community. We've had we have one of the most poorest districts in the state. It's absolutely terrible. I'd like to help try to turn the, the economy around here, uh, bring jobs, bring opportunities. But yeah, I think the public service thing is, uh, it's always been ingrained in me and it's just getting, it's getting stronger. The more, you know, you know, the more you put, you, uh, you put yourself out there and the more you're willing to do it, I think it just gets easier. It just becomes who you are. Yeah. I think, I think that, uh, I think it shows 
where your character lies because you care about it's clear you care about where you live and the people that are around you you care about the community there uh i would i would say that uh, you know there's there's these two sides of uh the argument i guess where people would say if you care about your community you have to give resources to the government but i'm willing to bet if i asked you you're going to say it doesn't lie in the government it probably lies in individuals yeah, take human action and get out and do something yourself, the better the community, you know, it's, it's really comes down to us as the individuals to make the choice to better our surroundings. And we can do that in many forms and many fashions. And the less the government's involved, the better off we all are. As we've seen this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it comes to that, is that more of a What's your political philosophy? You said you said you it was kind of like 50 50 growing up and, and starting out as a Republican. Obviously, something walked you more towards this libertarian you know, lifestyle. I can see it. I can tell you're wearing a Ron Paul shirt. So right. Let's talk a little right. bit about this. What, what, yeah, uh, what I, would say, I would say, yeah, I would say he had a lot to do with it. Uh, growing up a Republican, um, I got into politics very early. I remember sitting around, you know, my grandfather's house and he was very political and he would explain things and how it worked and he would teach me about the Constitution. And I really enjoyed those moments with him. And uh, so it's something that I've always been fascinated with. I always wanted to know more and understand why things work the way they do, how the process actually gets carried out. So from a very young age, I had a fascination with that. And growing up, I seen, you know, the Republicans, I think when you grow up in a political belief system, it's almost like growing up in a religion where it's hard to see the faults of that that tribe or that political affiliation and i would make excuses for the republicans behavior because in my eyes that's my family was republican so republicans have to be the good guys you know as you're as you're young and you're developing but as i got older and i seen how the mistakes that were made in iraq and afghanistan you know i heard ron paul speak i i began to read uh, many books uh, written by ron paul and people like him uh, who had the belief of the libertarian belief. And I really dove into the libertarian philosophy and, and probably around 2008 is when I started to make the switch. 2012, I was probably a full libertarian and that was, it's been libertarian ever since. Wow. And, and obviously, uh, obviously your military experience played into this as well. Um, a lot of ex service members uh well once a marine always a marine but a lot of ex-service members are are joining like this movement the libertarian movement and speaking out against uh military actions uh from the united states around the world i mean uh, is there something that while you're there that you see that we don't see or is it just because of that experience you were there you you were going through it and and it affected you at on, on a deeper level than it would just somebody at home I think I'm economically driven and I look at things as in waste or things that we, you know, in the military, there's a lot of waste, a lot of waste of tax dollars, a lot of things being spent. For instance, if a unit receives $100,000 for a budget that year, and then that CO fell, fails to spend that full $100,000, well, then next year he's penalized and he'll only receive the amount that he spent. So he's inherently forced to waste 
what he doesn't need. And this isn't just a military issue. This is all across the board and, and, and most all federal institutions. So seeing how much waste actually took place in a time where people were willing to give because of what their government was telling them. You know, there was a, a bad guy at the door, so to speak. And, you know, if we don't, if we don't chip in and do our part and we're not willing to go in debt to buy all these new things or to, or go over and occupy a piece of land, well, then we're not patriotic. We're a bad person. And I think that a lot of us veterans, we actually, because we were there, we've seen the waste, we've seen what it's like to be overseas. We, we understand that we're not, we are doing some good, but it doesn't, it doesn't weigh out. It doesn't weigh out. I don't believe in occupying other countries. If there was a true enemy that was coming to attack America, I would be first to raise my right hand and go back and fight. Uh, but to just build up an enemy so that you can line your pockets uh, or your buddy's pockets with military contracts, uh, it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. And yeah, I think a, that Republicans are big on that. And that that's, uh, you know, Democrats a, are big on that. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no. There's there's a lot of uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of self-justification built into that. Uh, there's a lot of becoming the problem so you can be the solution and makes no sense. Right. 100%. And I heard you, I forget what show I heard you on. It might've been my buddy, Brian Nichols, but I remember you specifically stating, and I thought it was, I thought it was pretty powerful. And I think I need to hear more mainstream libertarians uh, say this. Just because we're anti-military, so to speak, doesn't mean we're anti-troop. Yeah, people people get that confused all the time, especially here in our district. I've had some run-ins with, when I start talking about things like being anti-war, that really uh, sticks people in the sides from the uh, from the Vietnam era because you know they were they were forced to go. Uh, if they they didn't go, they were considered cowards, and they were uh, you know they were given bad records, and then they come home and and the community spits on them and. Uh, treats them horrible. I mean, you hear tons of stories. So there's a heavy generation of Vietnam vets in my district. And it really, it, it's, it's a subject that's very sensitive to them because they didn't, a lot of them didn't want to be there. A lot of them had no desire to be there fighting that, you know, they were like us, uh, as in they realized very quickly that even though they were forced to go, they realized that that was kind of nonsense in the first place. And there wasn't really, they weren't there to win. They weren't, they weren't put there to win. Um, they were doing their best to survive. And they were put in a situation by our United States government that, that really gave them a bad hand. And then they come back and they were treated so poorly. Um, so when I talk about being anti-war, I always try to bring that up because I'm very conscious of, you know, of understanding how that could make someone who, who went and served thinking that that was or was forced to serve uh, thinking that they were doing something extremely patriotic, you know, I don't, I don't want to, it's a thin line, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a balance that some people, I don't either that, you know, they feel like they're one side or the other on it. You know, if you go serve, well, then you're bad too. But I, I, I just don't see it like that. Maybe that's because I've served. I don't know. But um, I try to think before I speak when it, when I talk about anti-war and be cautious with my words, because when you're over there, you're fighting to keep your buddy alive. And many veterans lost people that come back home, they deal with mental illness, and they bring, you know, the war back home with them. And, 
it was all built off good intentions. They thought that they were, they were doing something good for their country and service is an honorable thing. It's just, what I try to say is that it's honorable not to fight and it's honorable to be anti-war, but it's also honorable that if somebody comes along that we have to stand for our country, it's also an honorable thing to fight and to serve and to, and to fight off the wolf at the door. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious about that just because I think that is something that we need to take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fine line, as you said, and I think it's, I think it's far less a black and white subject, but it's the, it's the idea that for me, at least I don't want to send somebody off to fight in a war that I myself would not go fight in. If I don't believe in that cause, if I think it's a lost cause, or if I think it's an unworthy cause of our time, money, and most importantly, lives and blood, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't serve it or I wouldn't want to be on the front lines of it. And I definitely wouldn't be endorsing or sending people to the front line of it unless it's in defense of our freedom, which we know the last several decades of warfare haven't been for preserving our freedom. Right. Right. Yeah. It's go, go go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, it's, um, nothing's really black and white, you know, to say, well, it's just either this or that anymore. I think that we have to use our brains. We have brains for a reason and, and, and really try to navigate through these issues. And I think that being so black and white is why there's such a tribalist behavior in our country right now. You know, it's either for most people, it's either left or right. And it's, you know, it's right down the line. And if you overstep in some of the issues, well, then you, uh, you know, you're in the wrong, but I don't see it that way. <clears throat> I would be willing to work with Democrats or Republicans, at, you know, at the House on single issues to move our desires and of living in a more free society forward. And I don't see anything wrong with that at all. As Ron Paul would say, building single coalitions on single issues. Yeah, so. yeah, we have to come together. We have to come together with people that we know we're on the same page on, on big issues. I, I think this is why, uh, I think this is why Tulsi Gabbard became such like a popular Democrat amongst libertarians uh, during the last election cycle, because there was, that was the Democrats, you know, true anti-war candidate. No, none of the other ones on the stage lived up to that level. Right. And that's why she became such a quote unquote friend or how people became admirers of her. And it would make no sense to alienate somebody like that on an issue like that when it's one of the bigger issues that's facing us as a nation. Um, I don't know why people are reluctant to do that sometimes, but things do have to really be broken down on an issue by issue basis uh, when you're tackling as big a monster as something like the entire federal government. Right. Exactly. What do you think? What do you, let's, uh, let's say, what are your, what are your like top three issues that, that you're running on? Like, what are the three main things that you're focusing on, on your campaign? Well, gun control was a big one at first, but I don't know if you heard, but Missouri passed a uh, second amendment protection act, which means, which means that as of now, no new federal gun laws will apply to us for our whole state. So Although I'd like to see the old ones stripped away, 
and I'd like to help fight at a national level to fight off gun control from everybody else who is under that umbrella of protection. You know, we're really in the moment now, we're starting to shift and, and find uh, what would be the most appropriate for our district on that, on that event, you know, on that subject. So uh, the economy is a big one. Uh, working to help small business in our area, getting them back on their feet. Like I said, it's one of the most poorest districts uh, in Missouri. People really struggle. I think medium income is 40000 for household income. Um, some towns as low as twenty-five to thirty. So, so the economy and helping small business is one. And then also fighting to make sure that uh, these issues or these, these tactics that the government used to infringe on people's rights during COVID, we can, we can start to put safety uh, safeties in in, uh, in place to make sure that these things don't happen again. Now, I know that people from the right would be for that. I know that people from the left wouldn't be. But like I said, that's where you work with a party to uh, help on single issues. It seems like the people from the right, um, a lot of them were really upset with the way that their, you know, the Bill of Rights were stepped on or trampled on uh, during COVID. So, that would be one of the issues that I'd work on uh, for sure. <clears throat> also, I'd like to see um, more harsh punishments uh, for child predators. Um, I, you should never go to jail longer for smoking a plant or having marijuana than you do for being the type of monster to hurt children. In Arizona, they laid out the, uh, the perfect bill that I think that we could mimic at the... Uh, federal level and it's if you were caught in an obvious act of molesting a child let's say or owning or making child pornography that you would receive life and I think that uh, these kind of monsters that hurt children we need to uh, we need to get after them yeah those are those are definitely big issues uh, uh, going back to the to COVID, um, because you said you have, you said you live in a district that's relatively poor. Uh, what was the impact of uh, some of these measures that were taken during COVID? Um, obviously, obviously, I would say a net overall negative impact uh, across the board for for the entire country. But specifically, where you're at, what are what were some of the things that you noticed? Did you have any? Have you had any people who uh, you know you as a business owner yourself? were probably impacted at, at, a, at a level. Uh, did anybody come forward with you, share stories about uh, how their businesses were affected? Uh, have, has anybody reached out to you or has that been a talking point while you're campaigning? Yeah, we've had multiple, uh, especially the re the restaurant industry or mom and pop diners. They took a really big hit. Um, you know, how they were in the beginning. See, Missouri is more of a liberty-minded state. So we don't have it as bad as what, say, like a New Yorker or, or somebody would. Uh, however, in the, even in the beginning, and I try to remind people, I'm like, remember when this started? Because we're, we're in a heavy predominant Republican district. And I say, remember when we, start, we started this whole process? This was under Republican leadership. So make sure to remember that, that although the Democrats carried the torch and took it a little further, uh, this still all started under Republican um, leadership and but yeah we've seen many businesses many restaurants go out of business uh, we actually have a restaurant owner who's up towards st louis that he's actually running uh, for an office here in in uh in missouri 
due to the fact that COVID shut down his business that he'd had our family restaurant that he'd had for, you know, his mom's generation and they ended up shutting it down, went out of business. So wow. those, they implemented this in and killed the family business. And now he's running for office to make sure that it doesn't happen in the state again. So restaurants have to be protected. The, the small business owners have to be protected. We're going to be seeing the fallout from these precautions that these people chose to take for years to come. Yeah. All in and, the name of fear. Yeah. And, and the thing that, one of the things that gets me is that uh, I, I think that it's far from over. I, I, I hear too many people talk about, well, we're, we're kind of like at a normal stage now. But if you, if you look at the news, you can see how the media drives it, where everything now it's, now it's not just COVID, but it's this Delta variant and, you know, getting mm -hmm. more people vaccinated. And Joe Biden is going out on stage talking about how he's going to do community programs and send people door to door to try to, you know, encourage more vaccinations and all that. Um, obviously it, it's just, it's this overbearing thing. And I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think the people in power don't understand that if you double down on something, thinking that you're going to win people over, you really don't win them over. You just make them double down on, well, now, you know, before I was skeptical, but now hell no. Right. Right. I mean, we've had people here in my district due to the poverty level or the low, the low job opportunities level, we've had people who they have to go off and work on a riverboat um, on the Mississippi to be able to bring income in for their families. They're on the boat for a month at a time. They're on, a, on for a month, off for a month. So it's, it's very hard work. And then their jobs are telling them, Hey, if you refuse the vaccine, you're fired. So that we've had people from this district who had to choose between, you know, am I going to take the vaccine or am I going to be able to feed my family and pay for my house? And, and I just, I hate to see these kind of things, you know, uh, this isn't, I didn't think we'd ever get to this point in our country. Yeah. It, and I heard, it, <clears throat> I, oh, I'm sorry. I heard, uh, uh, what's her name? Jen Paskey or the, <clears throat> uh, the uh, press secretary. Yeah. I heard her talk about how they're going to start working in angles so that children have to have the vaccine to go to schools, just like you would for their, their shots going into kindergarten. So, or college. So they're going to start working it in. So they force you that way. For instance, if you go into medicine, if you're in a med medical program, there are certain shots that you have to get before you, before you take uh, part in the program and you're around patients and it's, it's go They're going to add it to the list. So they're going to get people that way as well. So they know what they're doing. They know how to, they know how to trap people into things. So they've been doing it for years. True facts. True enough facts. Who, um, who, who's been some of your bigger inspirations in the libertarianism? Obviously, as a, as a candidate, when you're reaching out and connecting with people, uh, I think I read up on your opponent. He's, he's won the last several elections, has he not? Yeah, he's, he's been unopposed, really. Um, has he? Yeah, there's, no, there's never been anybody run an actual real campaign against him that uh, there's a Democrat contender who she runs normally every, every time that there's the election, but she, uh, honestly, I don't know why she does it. There's only 19 to 20% of Democrats in the whole district. Yeah. So it's kind of Neil, you know? Yeah. I was going to say he's been winning. Uh, I was, yeah. I was looking over his numbers the other day and he's been winning at, at in the high sixties and 70% each election. Right. So do you find that, do you find that a little bit intimidating at all going up against them? Or are you, 
when you look at it, are you like, well, there's not really a Democrat, you know, that I got to worry about. I really just have to take this guy head on. No, I, I made a calculated move uh, choosing this position. You know, I, I would have ran for something like mayor, but I live in the country. You know, mm -hmm. I would have done something locally, but just the way it worked with where I live, uh, not living in city limits, it just wasn't an option to do really do much locally uh, as far as holding office. But looking uh, at his record, looking at how he has treated people in this district, getting out and speaking with people, looking, you know, shaking their hands, looking them in the eye and hearing their concerns. I felt like now is the time where we would have the best opportunity to make a plea to the people who are liberty minded and, and want to see what's best for this country. I mean, a lot of these people in this district, they already have libertarian views. They just don't really know what a libertarian is. They're kind of confused on that. You know, they, most of them seem to think that, that every time I bring it up, they're like, you mean the social justice people or, and I'm like, you know, they think they're social justice and uh, more like old, old school hippies. And I'm like, yeah, that's, it's a little bit more than that. You know, we're, we have one of the most beautiful philosophies that man has ever crafted on this earth. And once people start to truly see what it's capable of and, and, and what we stand for, I think that it starts to open minds and hearts really quickly, especially in a place like this, where, like I said, they're already living the lifestyle that these people aren't getting any help. These people are on their own and they've been on their own. You know, they're, they're making their own way. They're, you know, they, um, you got corporations up here getting bailed out corporate welfare, but these people down here are left on their own to, to either sink or swim. So I think I, I think I have a good shot. I really do. I know that normally when a libertarian says that it, it kind of seems like they have delusions of grandeur, uh, <laughs> right. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to fool anybody by saying things like that. You know, this isn't the Muhammad Ali thing where I'm saying I'm the greatest until people believe it. It's, uh, I really do feel like we have a chance here just because like I said, no one has ever, and I have a history in this district. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I was well-known before I started, you know, I've lived here my whole life. I've traveled all through all these towns. I, I have business businesses in this district where I've met tons of people. So people knew where I was coming from in the, in the first place. They knew that I was a Marine Corps veteran, that I was willing to serve. Uh, that's things that these people respect here. They, you know, they know that I'm willing to put it on the line for them. And uh, he's, like I said, he's looking at going to the Senate. He made a statement on Fox that he was looking at running for the Senate instead of running against me. So hmm. I don't know. So I'll, I might have a new, uh, new challenger. We'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still early on in the game. So, yeah. So you got a long road ahead. And so with that being said, is there anything that, uh, is there anything that maybe I haven't brought up that, that, you think is, is a good thing to focus on or bring up um, before we close out? Yeah, I would say, you know, there's a reason that Republicans in our state have reached out to me and asked me to take, to look at taking his spot and running as a Republican. There's, you know, there's a reason because, you know, from some of the people who are in, uh, whether they're in office for the Republican party or they're, they're big in the party of actually getting out and doing things, you know, this is the, what they're saying. Like, look, we love your message. We love what you're saying. You're talking about liberty. You're talking about freedom. We think that the Republican Party needs that. And uh, we just think that people aren't going to be open to making the switch to label themselves libertarian. But I think that now, with the way things are going with the two-party system and the way that things have gone over the last two years, 
I would rather see my party push forward. I would rather see the message of liberty uh, go forward. Used to, if a, if a libertarian wanted to win, they had to run as another, underneath another, you know, it's like Ron Paul, he ran for president as a Republican twice. So um, I want to see the Libertarian Party move forward. I hope that we can get it together and stop uh, infighting so much on certain issues. And, and uh, in our district, we have 80% people vote Republican and 20% Democrat. That's normally flat. So when you hear the thing about splitting the vote, that isn't something that we can do here. Even if I split the Republican vote down the middle, Democrats are still 20% of the way. So a lot of times when you hear you know, someone talks about libertarianism or, or libertarian running, they're like, yeah, you know, I like his ideas, but I'm afraid he's going to split the vote and the other party will win. That isn't, that isn't even an issue here. So yeah. that's, that's one of the things that I want to put out to people and let them understand is you can look up the numbers yourself. You can look at the votes. Uh, you know, these are, these are facts that, that show that we have the ability, you have the ability to vote for who you want to and who you believe in. And you don't have to worry about losing the uh, district to, to blue. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, Jacob, where can, uh, where can people find you? You got, um, you got some social media links, a website. I do. Uh, Jacob Turner for eighth district on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Come like, if you, if you like, and we have uh, Jacob Turner at nationbuilder.com. Uh, that's the actual website. Um, However, if you want to message me or ask a question, feel free to reach out. I'll get right back with you. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. We haven't branched out to all the other social media avenues yet, but we'll get there. That's awesome. So, that's awesome. Yeah, so 20, 2022 is when we're... 2022 race? Yep. November 2022. Like I said, you're ahead of the game. You're, you're putting on groundwork early and that's good. Right. Yeah. We didn't want to uh, set by and waste opportunities. We knew that we had a lot of ground to cover and it's paying off. You know, like I said, people are getting involved. People are, you know, starting to donate and uh, that's, that's helping out. We're selling t-shirts and it's, it's actually paid off. We, you know, that was the big concern. Would we have the, the fine finances to go the distance because he has $2 million in the bank. My opponent has 2 million in the bank from corporations. None of the money even come from here. So, and I wasn't willing to take money from anybody I would owe a favor. So, you know, my job is to represent the people of this district. And if they, if they believe in the message, then I, you know, I'll, I'll accept help from them, but that's it. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Building up a grassroots movement. Right. I love it. Right. Love it. Well, Jacob Turner, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thanks for coming on the Fritz cast, man. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that was Jacob Turner on the Fritzcast. Isn't he great? Go give that guy a like and support uh, on his Facebook page and uh, check out his uh, campaign pages as well and uh, give him a holler. Uh, we need to get, I don't, I don't think he's on Twitter, uh, but we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll uncover that bit. We'll uncover that bit for sure uh, and make sure that uh, all his social media links are included so that you can connect with him uh, if you'd like, if you'd like to. Uh, and check them out. So that will do it for this week of FritzCast. Next week, we have Anthony Welty, who is going on a Liberty tour across these United States. Uh, he's coming on next week to talk about his history background and what he's intending to do with this Liberty tour coming up. And uh, we also have uh, on the docket Angela McArdle getting ready to get scheduled again. 
And uh, as far as that, I'm kind of an open book right now. I don't have anybody else scheduled. Got the feelers out, and we'll see who hits back and wants to come on the show. I'm sure between uh, doing these couple of guest episodes and the next guest to be scheduled, I'm sure I'll be pumping out a solo episode or two. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Remember, you can follow me at FritzQS on the Twitterverse, which is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. But I'm there, and you can find me there too. I am on, um, I hate to admit this too, I am on the TikTok. Oh, I am on the TikTok, and when you go on the TikTok, it's ridiculous. Um, I'm just putting stuff up on TikTok, uh, at FritzCast on there. Uh, it's at FritzCast on uh, Instagram if you want to follow me on there. Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com for those of you who are shy and like to do email stuff, um, including those of you who uh, have prospective people who want to be on the show. Hit me up. Do it. Stop thinking about it and do it. Uh, and uh, remember, oh yeah, the YouTube page too. That's kind of That's kind of a big deal. Uh, I might also be booting up an Odyssey page. Uh, a lot of libertarians are touting Odyssey right now. I'm not. Uh, I'm not one way or another committing to that yet. Um, it's a handful enough to do all of this that I do by myself and to throw something else into the mix. I don't know. Uh, I did toy with streaming software though uh, for live streaming, and I might, might, might toy with the idea of doing live stream interviews uh, down the pike. Uh, I'm getting things set up in line to do that, and I think that would be cool for audience interaction, get get people tuning in, asking questions, uh, and, and being able to do those kind of interactions. Plus, you can do cool, goofy little things where people can comment, and you can, you know, I, I checked out the streaming software uh, yesterday where people could be commenting, and I could just click, and it'll, it'll pop up on the video and show, you know, their comment. It, like, just another dynamic, interactive angle that we can put in there uh, that I think is really cool, but but slow, slow walk and and uh, one foot in front of the other for that, not not a full nose dive yet. So guys, remember, I love you, and if you enjoyed this and this content, be sure to like this on Facebook, uh, be sure to follow it, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcast, YouTube, whatever podcaster, uh, whatever podcast app, pod um, catcher you want to use. Uh, anything, reach out to me. I'll be glad to interact with you. And remember, I love you, and I'll see you next week.